0: Away. Double digits. It looks so much better than the difference between 100 and 99, at least to me. Anyway, what's up? It is Kevin Crockett here with Avery Collins, Christopher Thomas, the Air It Out podcast brought to you by Inside the Hashes at Air underscore podcast. Like I said, 99 days away. Seems far, but not so far away before the Eagles and Falcons kick off on a Thursday night to get things rolling with the NFL season. And right now we are in the midst of OTAs and maybe a little too soon to get too excited about things. But if you are a football fan, it doesn't take a whole lot to get you excited. So we're taking a look at OTAs, which we'll preface with the fact that it is voluntary. So there are a lot of players around the NFL who currently aren't with their squads as they're practicing in the offseason. But there are some pretty big names out there that have not shown up just yet or who have made an appearance and maybe aren't there now. Among those, Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald, Le'Veon Bell, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham Jr., who missed yesterday. People are still trying to figure out exactly what happened with that. So as we take a look at these OTAs, Avery Collins, Christopher Thomas, talking to you guys right now, put your general manager hats on. You've got yourselves an all-Madden squad. you got 99s all over the board. However, I'm going to say to you, you have got one paycheck that you have got to use on some of those guys that I've named. Chris, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. Who's getting that paycheck? I have to go with the obvious. I probably have to go with the best non-quarterback
1: player in football. I have to go with the reigning defensive player, the Aaron Donald. When you think about the moves that the Rams made, getting Akeem lead, getting Marcus Peters, getting Adama Katsu, the Rams are all in and made themselves a Super Bowl contender this year. And when you consider that Aaron Donald is probably the best defensive player on the planet, yes, even more better than J.J. Watt at this point due to the fact of the availability, and you consider every other Super Bowl contender Bronco Brady got their money. Fletcher Cox is locked in. Drew Brees is locked in for for another two years to keep their Super Bowl window open. The Rams want to keep
2: their Super Bowl window open for a long time. They got to pay their best player. Avery, what about you, man? What are you thinking? Well, I hate to say this because I don't want to, especially being a Falcons fan. But I agree with Chris. You got to give the... You got to give the check to, to to Aaron Donald. I mean, he's just a transcendent defensive player. He commands a double team every single down. It's it's very rare that you find interior defensive linemen who can play the way he does, whether it's pass rush in the run game and different things like that. So, I mean, he's so dominant. And the addition of Ndamukong suit, it kind of just, it puts so much more pressure on the interior de- defensive line where quarterbacks like to step up and make their plays. Now you can't really do that. I mean, edge rushers like, you know, Khalil Mag, you can kind of find those guys even late in the draft. So that's not something that is, to me, as valuable right now as Aaron Donald is, same with the receivers and different things like that. Granted, like I said, I feel that all of those guys really are, you know, transcendent players, but the guy that sticks out the most and just creates the most havoc and creates the biggest matchup Uh, issues with opposing teams is Aaron Donald. So he's got to get that checked. Well, Chris,
0: I'm going to actually come back to you on this one. You had mentioned all of the different pieces that the Rams have brought in thus far in this offseason, and it's no secret that Aaron Donald and the Rams for quite some time right now have been working to try to get themselves together on a long-term contract. Could you see a situation where maybe the Rams went out and said, okay, we're going to bring in some corners, we're going to bring in Sue, we're going to bring in some different players to – Maybe prepare ourselves for the time that Aaron Donald might walk away. and Maybe we could spread this money around to a couple different players that are pretty good at their position as well. Do you think that's by any chance on the mind of the Rams?
1: That is a possible consideration because Todd is also due up for some money as well. And down the line, you also have to pay Jared off as well. And when you consider what Kirk Cousins did in the offseason with the guaranteed money, which is all guaranteed, and also with Matt Ryan's contract extension, more money probably has to go to the quarterback. But I don't see that at all. The only long-term defensive players I could really see down the line for the Rams is probably Lamarcus joining and Marcus Peters due to age. And Marcus Peters is also due up for a contract call so soon as well. Aaron Donald, he's still on his rookie deal. I think on a fifth year option. He's probably one of the youngest defensive players still in the league. I think signing him because he's going to be the anchor for that defense. For years to come is a primary concern for the St. I fault Los Angeles Rams.
0: So, Chris, what if I say to you that, in my opinion, I'm going to stick with you guys here and go defensive and say that I think Khalil Mack is the player because at least where Aaron Donald is coming from, there's a lot of players on that defense that can make some plays, whereas the Raiders, you know, you've got a young quarterback and Conley. You know, you could argue Bruce Irvin. Maybe you might be able to give me that argument, but Khalil Mack is probably the only defensive star that that team has to offer. Why wouldn't we consider it to be... Khalil Mack's payday instead of, again, Aaron Donald, a team that uh, has a lot of different players that can make plays. I think when
1: you see guys like Tremaine Edmonds coming out and a bunch of other guys like a Harold
2: Landry, it kind of makes what Khalil Mack does like expendable. I would
1: like Khalil Mack, but when you consider that defense and how it was last year, he was the only man out there. So it's really hard for me to invest all that money into one defensive player for a
0: team. That's not even close to contending for a Super Bowl right now. So Avery, I'll come to you then. If we get Aaron Donald out of the picture and we look at just Khalil Mack, Le'Veon Bell, Julio Jones, and OBJ, and you've got your one paycheck of those four guys,
2: who is it that you'd be paying? Ooh, that's a now that's a that's more of a conundrum. Um, out of those four guys, I think I've got to go with. And Falcons fans, please forgive me, but I think I got to go with Odell Beckham. The reason I got to go Odell Beckham is because he's literally the only weapon that they have at the receiving position that consistently performs uh, when he's on the field. No offense to Julio or anything like that, but when Julio was out, Matt Ryan still had a pretty decent season. Uh, I remember there was a season where Harry Douglas went over 1,000 yards. So because of the way the offense is built, Um, I'm not saying that they don't need Julio. I'm saying they don't need Julio as much as the Giants need Odell. He is, like I said, he's just the key that makes that offense go. Um, He commands a double team. He commands you to roll a safety over the top. He commands your best corner to be on him. So he's that guy that kind of like really changes the game and the mindset of defense, excuse me, when they play the Giants, if he's on the field and he's healthy. As opposed to if Julio's not there, you still at this point, you've got Mohamed Sanu, who's a proven uh, receiver, who has some of the best hands in the league. You still have Calvin Ridley, who can take the top off the defense. You still have Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman that you have to worry about. That's the reason I would say you kind of got to pay Odell. And the reason I pick him over Le'Veon and Khalil is because Le'Veon, as far as running backs go, their shelf life isn't as long as a receiver. In addition because of how much they give the ball to Le'Veon, I'm not saying that I want him to get injured or, or, or predicting that he can get injured. I'm just saying that it's, a, it's more likely for him to get hurt, especially um, getting hit by bigger players, linebackers, defensive linemen, um, as opposed to Odell, whose primary matchups are against corners and safeties. And then Khalil, the reason I didn't pick Khalil is because I kind of agree with Chris. It seems like almost every year we're talking about that outside linebacker, hybrid linebacker, 3-4 linebacker that is coming out that can play play that position and play it pretty well. So I think I I think I got to go up there. Chris, I saw you uh, throw your eyebrows up real
0: quick when uh, Avery first gave his answer there. So I'm actually going to turn to you then. Okay, see, we, we can pretty much all agree that Aaron Donald's probably the guy. Khalil Mack, Le'Veon Bell, Julio Jones, OBJ, if you have those four. Who's getting your paycheck? Okay,
1: I think it's just funny that Avery mentions the potential injury. Justifiably so, 250, 300 carries for Le'Veon Bell, plus like 60, 70 catches. And yet, he wants to pay Odell, which he's coming off a major ACL injury. In my opinion, I would pay Le'Veon Bell more than I would Odell Beckham, because I think he is the MVP, non-quarterback of the offensive players. And also, it brings back to my point about my justification of paying Aaron Donald because the Steelers are in a win-down Super Bowl contender-type mode. They can't afford to, constantly, to keep going every single offseason and just keep not paying Le'Veon Bell and making him mad and just keep holding him against his will and just thinking that it's going to be fine. Le'Veon Bell is a, is a game-changer for that offense. He does a lot to help out Ben Rosberg. He helps out a lot for Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Cluster, Jesse James. And when you consider them in the AFC, they're probably the second best or third best team in the AFC. So I'm getting Le'Veon Bell, paying him at least like three years, that top money. You don't have that much of a Super Bowl contending shelf life considering Ben Roethlisberger's age and injury history to keep messing around with Le'Veon Bell's money.
0: Well, Chris kind of hit it on the head here a little bit because as we are looking at the Super Bowl odds, they came down this week. Very interesting, as a matter of fact, because those Pittsburgh Steelers you mentioned are one of the top teams in the AFC actually come in second with the best chance to head to the Super Bowl. Interesting, the Patriots last year were at 36%. They still sit in number one now down to 18% for the best odds to head to the Super Bowl. Pittsburgh in at number two at 14%. Philadelphia, reigning Super Bowl champions, in at number three, 11%. And Minnesota and Green Bay coming in at 6% apiece. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you guys, do you think that you agree with that? And on top of that, aside from those teams, Patriots, Steelers, Eagles, Vikings, and Packers, which team do you think not in that top five should be considered in that top five? So, Uh, Avery, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. Do you think it makes sense that the Patriots still sit as the number one team? And which team out of those that I've mentioned has a chance to take them over? And who do you think is not in that top five that you think could take a leap
2: and be that team to uh, go for the Lombardi Trophy? I do agree with the Patriots being at the top uh, simply because they still have Tom Brady. As much as I'm not a huge fan of Tom Brady, I'm one of those people who believe that Peyton Manning is the greatest quarterback to ever play in the NFL. I do understand the value that Tom Brady brings to that team and understanding that system. The other thing is the, the, the division that he plays in isn't as strong as, per say, the other divisions that are out there in the AFC. So they're more likely to be the favorite coming out of the division. Which kind of bodes well for them getting pretty decent standings as far as the playoff go, seating wise. Um, In addition, I think the fact that they got Sonny Michelle, I'm really big on that guy. I think that he's going to really change the trajectory of how that offense plays down the stretch because I I feel like that is somebody who can be at every down back. I also, the system that Belichick runs kind of just leans more toward traditional football. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. I think like running the football and playing good defense is huge in winning championships. That's just how I feel. And I'm never, I don't think I'm ever going to change that stance. And I feel like Belichick has that same viewpoint. The team that I would say that I would put in there, though, would be the Los Los Angeles Rams because of the fact that they added all those pieces. Now, I know some people are, uh, uh, you know, trying to equate it to when Vince Young called the Eagles, you know, the dream team. The difference there was most of their players were on the offensive side of the ball. That's a situation where chemistry and camaraderie and different things like that play more of a part in the success than per se defense. Now I'm not saying that it doesn't play a part on defense because it definitely does and We've seen that happen with the Seahawks, the Vikings, you know, how tight knit they are and how well they play with each other and well, how well they gel with each other. But what I am saying is because a lot of those players that they brought in are defensive players and proven defensive players, I think it's easier of a transition on defense because it's more so do your assignment as opposed to make a play. If you do your assignment on defense, more often than not, you're going to have success. And then you've got some really, really gritty guys. I mean, you've got Ndamukong Sue now with Aaron Donald. That right there makes Marcus Peters and Akeem Talib's job that much easier because there's interior pressure. There's less time for the quarterback. It makes the defensive end's jobs that much easier because now they're getting more single coverage and different things like that. So I think because of that, the points, so for example, like uh, one of the things that uh, stood out to me was last year when the Rams played the Eagles and how high scoring of a game that was. I think if there's a situation like that again this year, the game doesn't go the same route. I think it's going to be a much low lower scoring game because of the fact that the Rams, have now added pieces on defense to supplement the offense. The offense last year, of course, they could score with the best of them. Their defense couldn't stop people from scoring. The only person that they really had was Aaron Donald. Now you've surrounded him with playmakers, ballers. So I think that the Rams should definitely be hot. And then, think again, going back to you know the whole division thing, their division has become weaker with the the Seahawks not being really the power guys in the division anymore and all the turnover that's happening on that team. So I think the Rams have a really, really good shot to come out of the NFC, though the NFC is more of a toss-up than the AFC, in my opinion. So I would include the Rams in that equation.
0: All right, Chris, to you, man. So Patriots sitting at number one. Do you think that that's the truth? Do you think they should be the number one team in odds to uh, make it to the Super Bowl? And on top of that, aside from the Patriots, Steelers, Eagles, Vikings, and Packers, Who is a team that you can see sneak up on the rest of the NFL and have a shot to uh, play for Lombardi Trophy? I always say that you should always give the respect to the Super Bowl
1: champs until proven otherwise. But with the Patriots, it's a case of I'd rather go with the devil I know than the devil I don't know with Philadelphia. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, the smart money never bets against that. And I have to agree with Avery on the Sonny Michelle because I think the one thing that they were really missing last season was that big, bruising... Right through the inside gap runner, like they did with Legarrett Blunt and thought they had years past. And I think Sonny Michelle, I was also very high on him too. I thought he was gonna be a mid first round pick. He ended up in the perfect swap with the Patriots. I can believe the fact that the Patriots are being number one and probably the best team in the AFC until proven otherwise. And as far as the top odds, I can go with the Saints, I can go with the Rams. So I'm gonna go on a limb. I'm gonna say the Houston Texans are, should belong in that top five. Ooh. I think I think seeing Deshaun Watson at practice, recovering from that ACL, making those throws, it gives me a lot more confidence in my pick. DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, a very underrated running back, and Lamar Miller. You bring in Tyron Matthew. It all depends on health. J.J. Watt's coming back. Whitley, David, Jadavion Clowney. They have the pieces to not only make it back to the playoffs, but also possibly a Super Bowl contender. So I'm just going to go out on a limb here and pick the Houston Texans Should be a top five contending team for a Super Bowl.
0: You know what? I don't think that's that much of a limb, Chris. You know, it's funny when you said that as we're skyping into each other. Avery did that. Oh my God! Into his chest when he said that. So Avery, why
2: you? Oh my God! So I just want to respond. You kind of gave me crap for. Picking Odell because of injury and him just coming off of an injury, but then you go to the most injury-ridden team and <laughs> say that they're, they're a possible Super Bowl contender. I mean, JJ Watt can't stay on the field. Tyron Matthew can't stay on the field. Your quarterback is coming off a major injury. I mean, I just don't get it. I mean, I get I get the premise that on paper they look really good. Their division isn't that strong, different things like that. And I'm a huge Deshaun Watson uh, fan as well, and I'm a believer. I believe he's actually going to be better than projected as well if he can remain healthy. But that's the biggest question is, like, can any of them stay on the field long enough for that to happen? It seems like every year it's the same situation. They're running through the league or the division, and then somebody like J.J. Watt gets hurt. And now and the other part of it is the fact that when somebody like that gets hurt, I'm noticing that the morale goes down. That's the difference between the Eagles and the Texans. Carson Wentz gets hurt. The morale stays where it is. It actually probably goes up because now everybody comes together and says, everybody counted us out because they thought he was the thing that made us move. Let's show them. He's not the only thing that makes this move. He's a part of this entire engine. As opposed to with the Texans, you know, Deshaun Watson goes out after already losing J.J. Watt. It's kind of like the air goes out the building and everybody's like, oh, there it is again. You know, here we go. And I just want to also throw in there, for my Falcons fans, they are also a sleeper pick. Do not count out the Falcons. I know that we weren't as... I guess, advertised last year, but we had a new offensive coordinator and different things like that. But I think a second year under the offensive coordinator that we have, the addition of Calvin Ridley makes our offense even that much more potent. And it's, what, year three, four under Dan Quinn with these young defensive players. I think that the Falcons have a very, very strong shot. As long as Matt Ryan can limit the turnovers and Julio can get in the end more, I think that the Falcons are going to be a very, very, very scary team come playoff time. Chris, i got to give it to you. Chance to rebuttal, man. What do
1: you think? Okay. Well, the reason why the Eagles' morale didn't go down is because we'll put a backup quarterback. You're talking about Nick Foles, who was a starting quarterback for the Eagles before. He had a history of year with making 27 touchdowns, two interceptions, probably the second-highest touchdown-interception ratio. Pro Bowler, and he also played in the playoff game in which he came back from a twenty to seven lead. He left the field with a lead until the defense brought it back. So there was enough confidence for Foles to to continue to ride that ship, and not to mention they game plan perfectly with the RPO to keep that offense afloat when Carson Wentz was out. Meanwhile, for the Houston Texans, their backup last year was the thirty year old rookie Brandon Weeden, who's like thirty five, who's like thirty six now. You're really trying to. Sit here and try to tell me that Brandon Whedon and Nick Foles are the same caliber quarterback? No, absolutely not. And more importantly, the Houston's success is going to depend on Deshaun Watson's health, which I know is really ironic. The year when Brock Osweiler was the quarterback for Houston, J.J. Watt was out for the remaining of the year. Houston still had the number one total defense in football, which still is Damian Clowney and company. And more importantly, I don't think the AFC South is going to, be, it's going to be a massive dogfight this year, but I like Houston's roster. I like what they're doing. And Deshaun Watson, he's shown a lot of problems. He tore up that legion of blue Seattle secondary when they were still had Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, and came chance all 100% healthy. So I like what Houston is slowly doing. They build up a monster down there, and I think it's finally going to take off.
0: I've got to say, i got to agree to an extent about the Texans. They're obviously, I think they can outscore anybody in their division because if all of a sudden, you know, it's hard to score on Jacksonville. But if you put up 21, I mean, how much faith do you have in Blake Bortles? You're playing the Colts. How much faith do you have in Andrew Luck who still hasn't thrown a football, a regular size NFL football? Uh, You're playing the Titans who offensively lose to Marco Murray. What's their identity? You know, can Marcus Mariota step up and be that franchise-style quarterback, that next-level, top-ten franchise-style quarterback? And on top of that, they're playing the NFC East. So, you take away the Super Bowl champions, I don't really know how scared you are looking at your schedule of Dallas, of Washington, of the Giants. So, uh, maybe the Texans are that team that can take a leap. Avery, to your point, I I do believe that morale had a big thing to do with it. I mean, you look at J.J. Watt, who has meant way more than football to the Houston Texans. You you take him off the field, especially given everything that Houston went through last year. I I think the phrase you used was take the air out of the balloon. Uh, Between he and Watson, it, it seemed like J.J. went down and then, Oh, man. And then Deshaun comes in and you're like, wow. And then the air gets let out of the balloon again. And to your point, yeah, the Eagles rallied around when the Texans didn't. So maybe this is the year that the Texans find themselves doing that rallying, which kind of brings me to my next point. I'm I'm actually happy the Texans kind of came up here. We're going to take a look at the teams that went fourth place in their division, last in their division. And I'm going to ask you guys who you think it is that can go from worst to first so uh, chris i'll actually start with you i'm going to give you the nfc since you already gave me the texans we're looking at the bears the buccaneers the giants and the 49ers which of those four teams do you think can make that leap from worst to first if i had to flip a coin with
1: somebody i would probably have to go to the 49ers i like what jimmy garoppolo added to that offense in the latter half of that season to give them confidence they blocked him up long term they're still building a Monster's defense down there also they're very fortunate Ruben foster is going to be there for them week one and uh eric armstead um solomon thomas they have a lot of and the funny thing is is that whoever thought like three years ago that the 49ers would be not only reloaded back on defense but they also found their franchise quarterback they'll have enough to contend with the rams for that division but it all comes down to how they match up from their first matchup but i think the 49ers out of the all the NFC teams have the best chance of going for worst to first.
0: So, Avery, I'm gonna to come to you. Jets, Browns,
2: Texans, Broncos. Which of those four teams could you see going worst to first? Yeah, I think I'm gonna to have to go Broncos. Um, the reason I'm going Broncos is because I get it, but I don't get how Bradley Chubb fell. I don't get it. Him and Von Miller on the same team, on the same, on the field at the same time. If your offense scores 10 points, that's enough to win with that kind of defense. That's just how I feel. I mean, I know they lost Aqib Tlaib, but they still have Chris. And I believe that they're going to be doing well enough as far as the front seven that it's going to kind of mask the fact that Aqib Tlaib isn't there anymore. A front seven like that makes any cornerback look good, period. Bradley Chubb, and then he gets the chance to learn from somebody like Von Miller. That's that's really, really scary to me. I mean, if we if we go back to their last Super Bowl win, Peyton Manning was a shell of himself. I mean, he wasn't the great Peyton Manning that we all come to know and love. So if uh, Case Keenum can play to that level or better, I think it's another situation where that defense can carry them to, you know, another division title. So, I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to go to the Broncos there as far as the AFC.
0: You know, it's really interesting. We just talked about how the AFC South has a pretty wide-open division. You could probably make a case that any of those four teams could win it. Maybe the most wide-open division has to be the AFC West, which you look at two seasons ago was probably the most competitive division. People thought that the Raiders were going to be the next team up after Derek Carr had a great season and got hurt. Then you had the Chiefs, who are always hanging around and swinging. The Broncos had just come off of a Super Bowl win against the Panthers. And now you look at that division and you think okay can case keenum be the guy exactly to your point can he help the broncos defense not lose football games just by going out there and not turning the football over uh, who is Patrick mahomes we got to see him for one game last year there's a ton of weapons on that chiefs offense how do they coexist the chargers You take away a couple of missed field goals and about 15 kickers that have rotated through that franchise in the last couple seasons. And maybe their odds are a little different. Can Keenan Allen stay healthy? And then, of course, we we mentioned the Raiders. Does does Derek Carr stay healthy? Is he that MVP-type candidate again? So maybe that division might be the most wide open and the one you can make a case for any of those teams being able to wrap it up and take it home. We'll find out in about 99 days. We are that close. The NFL season just around the corner. We appreciate you tuning in to the Air Out podcast. Brought to you by Inside the Hashes. Find us at Air underscore podcast at Inside the Hashes. For Avery Collins, for Christopher Thomas, always great talking to you fellas. So excited. 99 days away from kickoff. Thanks, everybody.